0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You coming to bed, hon?
1: Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light.
0: Ow! Ow!
2: Ow!
0: Porque cuando están decidiendo qué ordenar, y la tía Carmen te dice, McNugget, mijo, y una de las hamburguesas con esa salsita, ¿sabes? Ya tú sabes que eso significa una Big Mac. Y lo sabes porque tú también amas esa salsita. Hay un meal para cada cena familiar en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar producto individual a precio regular. Garage
3: Beers! This week on the Garage Beers podcast, it's episode 41, and we have got an incredible special guest, former Ohio State Buckeye, a former Cleveland great, then Ohio State Buckeye great, a former top 10 draft pick in the NBA, and now CBS's main college analyst for college basketball, Clark Kellogg, joins us. We are so excited to talk to Clark about his time playing, his time as an analyst, and uh, getting into some of the fun he's been able to do as a broadcaster. We're also going to talk about our eight and three Cleveland Browns and all that. Uh, and we got so much more fun. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Garage Beers. all right and welcome on in everybody to episode 41 of the garage beers podcast go find us online at the garage beers on all of our social media on twitter on instagram the garage beers uh, podcast on facebook you can find us all over the place uh give us a follow uh, and uh, uh and you know give us some beer suggestions we're always looking for that but we'll get into that uh joining or joining you as always the host here michael keefe over here on the west side of Cleveland, back in Cleveland, you can follow me online at uh, Garage Beers Mike on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and with me, as always, my two co-hosts, the dudes uh, on the east side of Cleveland. We'll bring them in first at Garage Beers. Chad, it's Chad Meyer. What's going on, Chad?
4: Hi guys. Uh, I'm okay. A uh, little bit of a tough day for me in in more ways than one. But um, you know, I'm here.
3: I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Well, hey, listen, garage beers. We have a good time. Yeah. We drink some beers uh-huh. and we can do some garage beers. We can do some just some garage beer, soothing, uh, fun action. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll get to what you're drinking here, Chad. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's we'll, we'll pick you up. We're here to pick you up. All right. That's that's what we're doing tonight. So uh, uh, joining us, Chad, over on the east side, joining us down in Nashville, uh, it is Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe?
1: Um. Oh, I was just gonna say something really mean to you, and then I just decided against it. <laughs> to me? Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say if we want like some soothing it's funny, you should probably stop talking as much.
2: Oh. And I was like, uh, I didn't know if
1: I wanted to start off that way. So, um, so you did. Well, so I did, but I preface
3: it with saying it's not what I wanted to oh, say. With all due respect. <laughs> you're yeah. like Ricky Bobby. Yeah.
4: No offense. No offense or nothing. Oh, you see, I was
3: offended there for a second, but now that you said no <laughs> offense, <laughs> listen. Just because you said with all due respect doesn't mean you could just say whatever you want. Sure as hell okay.
1: does. I don't think I said. Oh well. Okay, it's the quote. Um, Happy
4: birthday to you. Happy birthday to
1: you. Oh, thank you. Oh, keep going. It was beautiful. Happy birthday,
2: dear Joe!
1: Oh, oh, oh! Nailed it! Nailed it!
4: Ooh. Happy
2: birthday
1: um, to you! I
4: know. Here comes the I know.
1: I, I, it is my birthday, and I appreciate that, guys. Um, I'm at the time in my twenties where, um, you know, you kind of hope you like nailed down a couple things in your life, um, or else it's like a little late. And you start to realize that it might be a little late on a couple things but I think I got most of those things nailed down um, but we're doing good you know I believe we're my around. quote to
3: Chad I believe my quote to Chad last week was get your shit together Chad I'm going to say that to you <laughs> yeah. for your birthday Joe at this point <laughs> yeah. in your life it's time to get your <laughs> shit together Joe
1: yeah no more no more bowling alley birthdays anymore now it's just uh, <laughs> the bourbon and vinyl and watching the, wait. the Browns what
4: wait bowling alley
1: birthdays <laughs> Yeah, you your birthday at a bowling alley?
4: <laughs> they give you, like, you like, like, like. I mean, when you were when you're a kid, sure, but like recently, have you had bowling alley birthday? <laughs> nah.
1: I might I might have dabbled in college. Yeah, I might have dabbled. You know, December's are tough birthday months because you know I would normally go to a, a tribe game. That would be like my go to birthday. Um, did you? Did you? was what? it
4: complete was was it complete with like streamers and transformers plastic plastic arcade
1: tokens and you know, like they they have like a little birthday graphic that every time you get a strike you know <laughs> it's just it's some love and affection at the
4: bowling alley i like it I everyone like it strives lot. to get no you're right though that's... just you're right though december is a tough birthday month
3: hey you know what it's uh uh we we don't get to pick and choose We have fun with, uh, we're going to have a little fun with Joe. We're going to play a little Joey birthday game later. Uh, Let the listeners get to know the mystery man, Joe Whalen, a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But we're going to do that with a twist. Uh, But yeah, before we get into everything, and again, we got to talk about, uh, we got to talk about the Browns. We got to talk about the NBA. Uh, We've got an an incredible special guest that we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, But before we get to all of that, we start off with our favorite segment every week, and that is our Garage Beers of the Week. And so we'll send it over to Chad to lead things off. Chad, what's your Garage Beer of the Week this week?
4: Uh, well, guys, I'm sticking with the Christmas theme this week. Um, uh, this it's out in uh, North Olmsted or Middleburg Heights, wherever you want to go, but I'm doing the Fatheads Holly Jolly this week. It oh, is yeah. delicious. It's one of my favorites. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm drinking for some uh, holiday cheer here on Garage Beers.
3: Yeah, love the Holly Jolly, Fatheads. Uh, whether you're in North Olmstead or Middleburg, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, overall good. So, uh, Chad, keeping it local with the Holly Jolly from Fatheads. Joe, what do you got for your Garage Beer of the Week this week?
1: Before I get into it, I feel like the Christmas beers, first of all, if you haven't known by now, that is my favorite type of beer. And I feel like that season is just like one of the shortest seasonal types of beer. Like yeah. I feel like it's mid-November, it's there. And then December 26th, it is no more restock. Like whatever's on the shelf is there until it's sold out. And it's it's so tragic. I, I uh, Since I, I don't get a lot of the good Cleveland Christmas beers in Nashville, I will buy like a case or two, whatever, and I will hoard them. Uh, until their expiration date uh, in Nashville. Yes, it's, it's always a good oh, time. You can age them. You can age them a little bit. Sure. I think uh, I had some two Xmas, uh, and I think the expiration date's uh, September twenty one on it. So, get <laughs> some time on those. <laughs> okay. yeah, take your time. Uh, so, but my, so what uh, are you drinking now? I'm drinking now. Uh, it's my birthday, so I'm doing a birthday bourbon. Ooh. Um, and I got just some Angel's Envy. Um, it's a wonderful, uh, smooth drinking bourbon. And I always love reading bourbon descriptions because they're very like, like if you were just to take bourbon out of the equation and then insert pie or like dessert, it is the best sounding dessert you'll ever have in your life. Like this is, um, it says it's a spirit with flavors of vanilla, ripe fruit, maple syrup, toast, and bitter chocolate. Like that sounds fantastic. It's exactly how I want it every meal. So, um, cheers to that
3: all right so yeah. joe's going with the cheers birthday you, bourbon man. can't go wrong with that and um, that brings it around to me and i uh, i'm going to try to be uh, topical with this i'm going to take it back to you're going to hear this brewery a lot uh, in the near future because i have a whole fridge full of them uh, so i'm going to take it back to the treehouse brewery up in massachusetts uh, chad how was the storm over in menor oh brutal did you guys get buried in
4: snow? Yeah, yeah we got buried. Uh, my day job was in Solon. That was even worse. Uh, so it was, oh. yeah, it, it's, um, we, we got hammered for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it was 40 degrees and sunny today, so it's all almost melted.
3: It's like nothing even happened. No, oh, I don't, that's not what it looks like over here. <laughs> yeah. uh, over on the west side, I measured just under 20 inches of snow. Uh what? Which again on the west side, that is not that's not normal. No, it's not. Yeah. Twenty inches. Wow. I said that, that right. Wow. Yeah, it's it was uh it was crazy. It just kept coming at like you know, we're used to hearing like a couple feet of snow over in the snow belt on the on the east side, but nah. Over here we got it, we got it just as bad, I think. So uh in honor of that crazy winter storm that we had, I am going back to Treehouse and I'm drinking a beer that they call the perfect storm. Oh, okay. and it's again, it's treehouse. So it's going to be a uh, a double IPA. Uh, they call it an absurdly hopped rendition of Super Typhoon, which is one of their other beers featuring further amplified uh, kettle and dry hop doses of Citra and Simcoe hops. What is that? Uh, it's one of the heaviest. Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead.
4: <laughs> no, I was I I just popped in my head. What is Treehouses like signature beer? Do you have those? Do you have that?
3: Yeah, so that's called Julius. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and then there's variations. So they make like four or five different variations of every beer. Gotcha. So okay. like they make one called Tornado and Hurricane and Typhoon and Super Typhoon and then Perfect Storm. Uh, and they're yeah. all like they're all made with similar hops. They have a similar kind of taste to them, but then they they kind of get stronger and like bolder as they get bigger. So this is the biggest of their Storm series called Perfect Storm. It is uh, one of the most heavily hopped beers that they make, and it is Blew. delicious. So uh, in honor of the, the Cleveland <laughs> snowstorm of 2020, I have the Perfect Storm. All right, so those are our garage beers of the week. Uh, again, go on to our social media at The Garage Beers on Instagram, on Twitter. Tell us what you're drinking this week. Give us some suggestions. Do you have any beers that you've had lately that are uh, crazy good and you think we should try? Tell us. We will do that. We like trying beer. Uh, uh, but, again, we've got uh, Fat Heads, we've got a Birthday Bourbon, and I've got Treehouse Brewery. So those are our Garage Beers of the Week this week. To you guys on the podcast, cheers. This is going to be a good one. And to you, the listeners, cheers as well. And so I think we're going to just transition straight into, and we are so excited about this. We've got an awesome interview coming up with Clark Kellogg uh, from CBS, their main uh, college basketball analyst at this point, but also, you know, just a basketball legend in the state of Ohio, former NBA player, uh, and and all-around good guy. So we'll transition right into that and our interview with the great Clark Kellogg. Okay, and we are really excited now to be joined by our very special guest, a Cleveland area high school legend. Uh, well, back then it was St. Joe's, St. Joseph's High School, but That's it's right. yeah. Angeles, St. Joe's now uh, where he once scored 51 points in a state championship game. And that record still stands uh, just a few decades later. We'll just say that <laughs> uh, he went on to become an Ohio State basketball icon, a star, a top 10 NBA draft pick. Uh, now he's the lead college basketball analyst for CBS Sports and uh, one of the cooler things along with the awesome Kevin Harlan. Uh, And if you nerd out about broadcasters uh, like I do, Kevin Harlan is one of the best. Uh, He's the voice of NBA 2K, the NBA 2K series. We are really, really excited to be joined by the great, the one and only Clark Kellogg. Clark, thank you for coming on the Garage Beers podcast today.
2: Hey, Michael, great to hang out with you and Chad, man. Always good to connect with um, my homegrown roots of Cleveland, however I do it, whether it's a visit or a radio interview or a podcast. So glad to be on in the um, 216, and I guess, what, 440 and 330 area codes now? That's right. You got it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Do you still make it back? Do you still have family and stuff in Cleveland? Not at
2: time. I lost my dad in 2016. Our mom, um, unfortunately, died back in 1994. Um, Two of my sisters are still up there, um, some aunts and and uncles. Um, One of my sisters is here. My brother is down here in Columbus. So, no, I don't get back much, Um, just a couple of times a year is about all. Um, but always um, smile whenever I'm connected to folks in Cleveland or think about um, Cleveland. Um, great memories of um, being born and raised there. I'm
3: um, going to high school there. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, hopefully you had a good holiday week last week. Uh, we uh, did. You, Thank you. I you trust do, you guys did the same. Yeah. Are you, have you been, are, are you kicking off with the broadcasting for the, for the basketball Yeah, season? I
2: get – yeah, Michael, I get started um, Saturday. I'll be in the studio in New York. And then um, pretty much every weekend, I'll be either in the studio or calling a game. And the game call could actually take place in the studio in this pandemic environment we're in. But hopefully I'll get out and get to some remote sites for games as the season goes on. But yeah, I'm excited. Really happy to see college basketball being played. You know, I've been studying and reading about teams um, for the last couple of months, really. And it's nice to be able to start watching teams and seeing who they are and what they can do and discovering new players and teams that may be worth keeping an eye on for March Madness. So I'm preparing always for the tournament as soon as college basketball starts. So it's great to be um, fully immersed in watching games. I've probably watched 15, 16 games and filling up my notebook. And um, I love that part of it. I love the preparation and listening to the different announcers and just... uh, Trying to keep up with the full landscape of Dupes in a very unique and and sobering time, but it's good yeah. that um, college basketball is being played, both on the men's and women's side.
4: Now there is a lot of Division One college basketball teams, like way more yeah. than football. Like, yeah. like, do you when you're when you're preparing? Do you just like do you just you, you say okay, I'm going to do these fifteen teams now, or is it just kind of like or like how do you?
2: <laughs> Here's my Bible. Out? Here's my <laughs> so what I do, Chad, what I do is I try to be well-versed on 100 teams. Okay. And so I tend to go through each conference. Um, and that takes, you know, it takes a couple hours usually to go through each conference. And then just make some notes about key players, players mm-hmm. I want to keep an eye on, teams that may not be in the top three that could get into the top three. And I keep my own notebook on every mm-hmm. conference. And the teams that I want to keep an eye on outside of the power five conferences, um, okay. teams like Liberty, okay. teams like Gardner Webb, okay. teams like East Tennessee state. Again, these will be teams like Bowling Green hey. or Toledo or gotcha. OU in the MAC. So I have All a right. good hand of teams that could possibly win their conferences. So I'm watching and, um, taking notes pretty much daily now. I'll be a few hours a day locked into watching games and taking notes so I can have a pretty good handle. By the time we get to, to um, you know, January, February, I've got a pretty good handle on 100 teams. I could tell you their coach and their mascot's name and their top <laughs> players. <laughs> all in preparation, Man, steel, all in, all in preparation for trying trap. to be ready for uh, Selection Sunday.
3: That's awesome. <laughs> So we're going to do a couple throwbacks with you before we get into what's going on with basketball now. we got to start with, I just have to know this, uh, 2010, you play Barack Obama in a game of what you called POTUS. Yeah. yeah. His horse, yeah. basically. Yeah. But you called it POTUS. And he beat you. Yeah. yeah. So, and, is there ever going to be a time where you admit that you just let him win?
2: Well, if you watch the clip, <laughs> at the end of it, President Obama looks into the camera And like a platinum level analyst says exactly (laughs) what happened. And he basically says, he basically says, Clark was wearing this president out. I'm paraphrasing here. I went up three, I went up like three or four letters like that. Right. So I did actually intentionally miss a couple thinking that I would still be able to close the deal when I needed to. Well, momentum switched. The president started feeling himself and started knocking down jumpers, and he nipped me at the wire. So I did not let him win. I let him back in, and he took the win. Okay? And that to me, hindsight being what it is, I don't like to lose, but if I had to lose in that situation, (laughs) it probably worked out for my good and my although I will tell you guys colleagues and peers of mine that I played against or with, some of them want to disbar me from the fraternity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. They want they want to ostracize me because I didn't win. That I really I put a stain I put a stain on the mark of all pro players by not winning. It's only a few, but, but it's, a, it's a fairly loud minority.
3: Oh, man. Tell them, yeah. Tell them to, to get in a game of horse with uh, President Barack Obama uh, hey. and see what they do at the time.
2: Hey, man, one of the highlights of my journey in basketball, and I've had cool. some pretty neat experiences, but that one is yeah. near the top. Our son being able to be part of an OU team that went to the Sweet 16 back in 2012, yeah. yep. our son mm-hmm. Nick is at the very top. That goes right to the top of my basketball list. Uh, outside of my own plane but that, that that actually goes above my plane to see my son and yeah his team have a uh, march madness shiny moment um that's that's pretty special but having a chance to interact with the sitting president multiple times
3: sure.
2: during his tenure because of basketball is, is way up there on the list too
4: and then the rematch that nobody knows about, obviously, where you just no. beat the crap out of them. He wouldn't
2: give it <laughs> hey, Chad, Chad, he wouldn't give it to me. He would not hey, give man, it Hey, man, really? Oh, no, he no. Would, would not do it. As a matter of fact, my first encounter with him, Vern Lundquist and I were calling a game in D.C. And President Barack, President Obama came and was a guest third commentator with us for a segment or two in the second half. That was my first. That was, that would have been, I think that would have been November, probably December of, Then it was 2010, Michael just mentioned, where I had an interview with him. We were talking about the tournament, and we had this game of POTUS. And then in 2012, as he was about to embark on his second run, his second term, he was in Dayton for the first four with British Prime Minister Cameron, and I got a chance to (laughs) interact with him at halftime of a game I was calling And then there was one other time back on the White House grounds where we were talking about him coaching his daughters in basketball. One of those times I actually sought to redo, and he said – he gave me the Heisman.
4: Oh, Oh, no.
2: (laughs) But but all things considered, the fact that it made the video reel of some of his top moments in the White House is um, good enough for me. Even though it was a losing effort, um, it's still pretty cool to – have the president feel like that was um, one of his great
3: memories while he was um, in office? That's really cool. Yeah, so I went back, just getting ready. I was like, I got to go back and watch uh, some some old school Clark Kellogg highlights. Uh, get myself. Did you little... find them anywhere? Yeah. Come on, YouTube's got everything. I did. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to watch some highlights, and, and like, I felt like I was watching a different sport. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. I felt like I was just watching a complete like. A completely inside-out basketball game. Yeah, you are yeah. out there with these ferocious post-up moves. Yeah, you're, a, you're yeah. a guy that's six seven, right? In your playing career, yeah, six uh, eight, six
2: seven, eight. I always thought I played bigger. But you six, look like seven, the eight. biggest
3: guy on the court. You at were, all. yeah, definitely. Uh, and this was this was in your NBA days. This was this was yeah uh, the yeah. one highlight that comes up immediately is your game. You scored twenty one against the Bulls, Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, what's funny to me is like. Is it, as a guy who was that pro- power forward, back to the basket, uh, you're hitting shots they don't even take anymore?
2: Yeah. yeah like those the game is really running easy. hook
3: shots don't exist
2: yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah. The, game, the game has evolved greatly, uh, Michael. And for the good, in many ways, the players are so much more athletic and skilled. I mean, I was kind of a unique hybrid back in the day because although I did do damage inside and was a really good rebounder, I had pretty good ball skills and passing skills. I could make the jump shot, not out to three-point range, but could make the perimeter jump shot. So I was kind of a an in-between guy, and that added to my value as a player. But now, guys that are my height and north of me are playing two guard. Yeah, put the ball <laughs> yeah, under me, yeah. KD, and the, I mean, there's so many guys that you can name that are six eight or better that have skills that typically you didn't even see in smaller guys 25, 30 years ago in terms of shooting, ball handling, um, deep shooting range, that kind of thing. So it's just the evolution of the game. The three-point shot obviously is significantly impacted. I think the improvement in athleticism, the understanding of how to train more effectively um, in a sport specific manner, all of that has just really raised the level of athleticism and skill in the game to where you're right it um it's like cars i mean you look at the evolution of cars you go back and watch an old movie yeah. in the 40s or 50s right, and right. then you think about what cars look like and how they function now it's it's pretty much the same um but yeah you're right it's, uh, it's a lot different now
3: well it's, it was just funny it was funny watching because you just don't see it, 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 these big men now yeah these power forwards now i mean uh it, it's kind of like it's kind of almost like tim duncan was the last of like that, you just don't – the guys yeah. that would be like those back-to-the-basket guys yeah. Yeah. are pretty much just kind of defensive players and rebounders at this point. They – watching your team come down the court and just clear out to get you the ball on the post yeah. over and over and over and over again. You just don't see – now you got these big guys. you got guys like Jokic, Kevin Love here in Cleveland. Right. They spend more time out on the perimeter yeah, than they do yeah. down banging around on the inside. It just – it was so – it like was such a kick in the face to a throwback. Wow. It used to be, it was, it was, it was fun to watch, but it's going to be be crazy for you to watch it as well. Just thinking how different it is for you to play, you know, from your playing time to what it is now.
2: Hey man, I don't even know what I would be able to do with these guys out here (laughs) now, man. Quite honestly, I don't. I mean, it's a long time ago from when I played shoot, 30 plus (laughs) years ago. And so clearly a lot changes and I wonder how I could function it today because but if I was era, then clearly I would be benefiting the same way. So you take right. who you are and what you are for your time, and you don't try to extrapolate it out to <laughs> an advanced time. You just kind of accept that you were a standout player in your day and that it's different now. But the game, although different in how it's approached from an analytics and style standpoint, the knowledge, the understanding, how right. you play between your ears, those things are still – pretty much the same and what you need to do to be successful is still the same you got to pass it and catch it you got to defend you got to share it yeah um, all of those things are the same so the game has evolved but there's still some foundational fundamentals
3: that are um, timeless yeah and listen you had a uh, you had an insane career going uh, you know we've people have talked on end about the injuries that that derailed the career and that, that ended yeah. the career you were a you were a, like a 20 point 10 rebound guy Uh, in your day in the in the NBA Um, do you find uh, do you find you know you're you're a guy that likes to speak a lot Uh, you're uh, obviously you're a person of faith Uh, do you find that through your journey uh, a a, a quicker than you would have wanted NBA career which led into awesome things for you but a quicker than what you would have wanted NBA career do you ever find yourself reaching out to players in kind of similar boats like obvious the obvious one that comes up would be a guy like Greg Oden that had all the potential and talent in the world, but the injuries just yeah. took them out, wiped them out. Do you, ever, do you ever find yourself being like an ambassador or just a kind of a beacon for them?
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, our stories are unique to us, but they can be useful to other people, whatever mm-hmm. sphere of life we're in, whatever season, whatever particular industry. So anytime you've had an experience that is uniquely yours, but is common or experienced by others, sometimes you can be a, a resource or a... Um, maybe a a, a part of an inspiration or a a guidance resource to to help. So I've always thought that um, we all have a responsibility to try to make our world better. And you do that through how you live, but also how you share your stories, how you engage with other people. So I've had countless opportunities through the game to connect to peers, those Mm. younger than me and even those older than me. Um, Sometimes I'm the recipient of the guidance. And wisdom, and that's the way it should be. It should be a circle of connection to where we're um, trying to be our best, but at the same time, we're trying to help help others their best and work through some of the bumps that are inevitable. Whenever I see a young player with a promising career, even if he doesn't, he or she doesn't have a promising career, the joy that you have in playing a game, and then something out of your control prematurely takes that away, that's a loss. I mean, yeah. and that's difficult to navigate. So I went through that. I mean, I was 20 when I had to retire yeah. and I was a promising young player but life is bigger than um, what you do and um, I've still been around the game and I thank God that I've enjoyed um, the experiences I've
3: had in the game and what I continue to be able to do as being part of the game. Yeah, it's cool. It's, and listen, that's a rough story at 26, but you've made the most out of it for the rest of your career getting into this broadcasting, which is going to lead us in uh, to to what's going on in college basketball and your broadcasting journey. But man, yeah, just some of the stories that that you probably could tell through your broadcasting career, not the least of which playing basketball. Uh, we did like a thing on the podcast where we did like a celebrity uh, guys weekend and i had president obama on my weekend with me like i that's a guy i would want to play some and wow. hang out right. with. yeah and so you've got to have basically that a, a little bit of time with him which is yeah. really cool but uh yeah let's talk yeah. about this year's ncaa basketball it's uh, i was just reading it is the longest sport that's it's the sport that's had the longest time off since the beginning yeah. of march we yeah. have not seen college basketball yeah. it was devastating no ncaa tournament None of the fun of all of that uh, last spring. It, it was brutal as a sports fan to not go through the best time of the year with college basketball and and, and go through that. But but they're back. So just kind of your thoughts on how you see this going, uh, the plans the NCAA has laid out. You know, we went through it with football and it was kind of all over the place and the conferences were all over the place. Uh, and just uh, what? how do you see this this season going and, and, and playing out for the NCAA?
2: Well, you make some really good points. One is that, The NCAA basketball side didn't get a chance to conclude its season and missed out on the three weeks that we've all come to relish and enjoy at the highest level. So that was devastating and created um, grieving and mourning for all of us, those of us in it, those of us that are on the outside following it. I mean, it was just a difficult and um, unfortunate loss. Um, In light of that, I'm really excited that we're able to have basketball games being played. Um, I've been reading about teams for several weeks and it's nice to be able to actually watch a team and evaluate what you're seeing in 3D versus what you're seeing and reading about on a piece of paper, man. It's so good to be able to watch players discover the new neon newbies that are out there and look at how teams are going to navigate this. It's a really, really difficult needle to thread, guys, when you think about it. Sure. in the backdrop of this pandemic with the virus continuing to rage and spread uh, and yet i feel like we will have some bumps sure along the way and that's already been evident in this first week of the season where you're going to have games canceled you're going to have to adjust on the fly um, and that's part of it in this context uh, but i do think we'll get to the finish line we'll have a culmination um, and we'll enjoy the journey it's going to be different but i'm more than cautiously optimistic, I'm reasonably confident that we're going to find our way to March Madness and okay. the crowning of a championship, Please. crowning of a champion. So um, that's, where I, that's where I rest, and we have to do our part, everybody, to try to keep the student athletes healthy and safe. And, uh, but um, I'm excited about being able to see us uh, get through a season, enjoy the games, and then have a
3: champion sometime in,
2: in early April.
3: I don't even care how it goes. They're going to play one shining moment at the end of that tournament. And I'm just going to be in tears <laughs> on my couch. Like, oh, we did it. We did it. <laughs> All right, so just going through it real quick, some familiar names in the top 25 this year. Uh, the one that always – I always wonder, is this the year is Gonzaga, obviously. They are like the consensus number one. Yeah. Uh, everybody – I mean, and they've looked it. They, they've yeah. played a tough schedule to start, and they've been dominant. Uh, is this the year for them? Can this finally be that year for Gonzaga? Because they've been in this position before, but have never been able to pull it off at the end.
2: Well, the consistent excellence of this program is unquestioned. Uh, they got close. Um, when was that? 17, I think, when Carolina got them. Um, yeah. This team looks to be every bit maybe better than that one. But we know there are times in a season where the best team, the most talented team, for whatever reason, doesn't win. You've got to be good and fortunate. But clearly, They would be my odds-on favorite. There just don't seem to be many holes with this team. Size, skill, depth, experience, coach. I mean, they've got all the boxes checked. So they would be my pick to certainly get to the final four. Um, I like the Illinois team as well. They're very impressive. Baylor, I think, is going to be outstanding. Great guards and terrific complementary players. Um, I wouldn't sleep on a team like Florida State. They were really mm-hmm. on the verge of maybe getting it done yes. in terms of a final four last year. And Leonard mm-hmm. Hamilton has been remarkable in what he's done at that program. And they've got a pretty good arsenal of talent yeah. and they'll be, um, they'll be in the conversation. Kansas, I think will regroup and be in the conversation. And you've got some teams outside of the power conference squads. Um, Michael and Chad, um, Richmond, St. Louis. Yeah. Um, those teams are Western Kentucky has been yeah. really impressive. Um Man, I tell you, it's always fun to just kind of watch and see. And this year, especially, guys, because you've got the uncertainty of the coronavirus. Sure. How many teams are how much are you going to miss time? How is conditioning going to be as you go through the season? How are you going to handle mentally and emotionally the vicissitudes, the ups and downs, the unexpected detours that are inevitable in any season sure. but perhaps magnified this year? So I think experienced teams that also have talent, Um, always are going to be in the top of the mix, but maybe even more so this year. Then the other thing, no real home court advantages,
3: right? Yeah, right. No significant home
2: court advantages, which is you just don't know how that'll play out in terms of the course of a season. I mean, some of these environments, some of these environments in the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC, they win a team two conference games.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) Clearly. I mean, being at home, it's worth six to eight points in, oh, a, in a conference game, maybe more depending on where you are. So that piece being out of the equation is going to really be interesting to kind of watch.
4: Okay. Now Clark, Now with the uh, you know, pandemic, again, it's been the longest layoff of, you know, of any of the sports. So say for someone who's trying to get back into, you know, college basketball, say like a casual basketball fan that has, you know, has missed sports, but really wants to get into college basketball. You know, I, you know, obviously you have the top teams. What are maybe two or three reasons or teams that, that, that you can give someone to watch that, 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 that is, you know, is exciting for someone, for exciting for, like I said, the casual basketball fans, so, some teams that they can get into?
2: Well, there are a number of teams outside. Of, well, the top teams, obviously, I mean, if you're a basketball fan, then you've got mm-hmm. to watch Gonzaga. I mean, <laughs> they are mu- they are must-watch television. I mean, they've got a freshman in Jalen Suggs who was phenomenal. Yes. They're must-watch. They are must-watch. I mean, just because of how they play. If you love basketball, then you something's wrong with you if you don't enjoy watching how this team <laughs> yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah. High octane, share the ball, shoot it. Pass. I mean, they are fantastic. Baylor, much the same way. Baylor, then okay. always, as we get into conference play, you have these surprise teams emerge. I really like Western Kentucky. I love Richmond. I absolutely okay. love the Big Richmond win. Spiders as a team to keep an eye on. They've got two little pint-sized guards, Blake Francis and Jacob Gilliard, who are absolutely entertaining and terrific in how they play. Uh, Western Kentucky is really solid. St. Louis is going to be good. Dayton has one of the best guards in the country, and Jalen Crutch. I mean, there's so much to enjoy about college basketball because uh, there are so many good players across the country. So to me, and the other thing that's going to be a great theme this year is not just the high-level four and five-star freshmen. There are so I've already seen about ten freshmen who are coming off the bench for their teams that are going to make an impact this season and be fun to watch. Not only this year, but going forward. So I think the the freshmen across the country, um, there are a number of um, yeah. dynamic stars in that class that are going to emerge in
3: college basketball this year. And a team that's been fun to watch to start this year, your Ohio yeah. State Buckeyes. Oh yeah, and... well I
2: mean that's a given, man. I try not to be <laughs>
3: too much of a homer, but that's you can a be given. a homer on here on here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're that's a right. Talk. I'm you're talking loud.
2: to my folks Yeah, and the Buckeyes would be and they're in the best conference in the country to me. Isn't I that mean, crazy? Think, oh, yeah, I wow. think Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State, Ohio State. I mean, there's Rutgers has improved would have been a tournament team a year ago, I think. Yeah. Um, so they're still looking at probably 9 to 10, maybe 11 teams that look tournament worthy by the time it's all said and done. So a lot of different reasons, Chad, to immerse yourself or take a peek in on, on college basketball this year. And just seeing how this um, how this pandemic is going to impact uh, yeah. the
3: season. But the games on the court are going to be um, entertaining and, and competitive as always, I think. It's funny, we've spent a while talking about how bad the Big Ten is because we've been talking about football, and the Big Ten has been atrocious in football outside of Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. uh, then I, I, I'm getting into basketball, and it's like, oh, my God, the Big Ten's awesome. You, know, you brought up even surprise teams. You expect Michigan State. You expect Ohio State. You expect, State, you expect some of those teams. But, like, Iowa, yeah. look, look yeah. out. I mean, that, that kid hours, out, yeah. is so good. Yeah. They're, no, no, they're good. And so they're
2: deep. deep. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of players around him. I mean, he's – the consensus favor for Player of the Year, deservedly so. Um, but that team is is pretty loaded. Illinois has a couple of stars in um, the Sumu and Coburn, in addition to an outstanding freshman. So yeah, a lot of a lot of quality in that Big Ten for sure.
4: Now I wanted to ask you, Clark. You know, I'm I'm glad you brought up the freshman. Um, you know, we had this conversation on the podcast a week ago, I believe, or a week or two weeks ago. You know, I I know the one-and-done rule is going away. Do you think that rule has helped or hurt college
2: basketball? I think it's probably hurt more than helped, quite honestly. It's hurt more because it creates an environment where the expectation is that if you're not leaving after your first year, you're not a pro. And that's detrimental, Uh I think, to some of the kids, that (laughs) expectation and that pressure that is external but it's still real. And then the fact that sometimes kids will show up in college with too much of their attention on what's after college versus being fully immersed in the year of college. And then um, it sets up this expectation that, hey, there aren't a lot of guys getting drafted. There's 60 guys that get drafted every year. 60.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. There's
2: 350-plus Division One teams. Even if you round that down to just 10 people a team, that's 3,500 to 4,000 that are playing Division I basketball. 60 will get drafted. 40 of those 60 will have long-term careers, and then there'll be another 10 that didn't get drafted in that particular year that end up playing in the league for 10 or 12 years. So We get all crazy about the small number of one-and-dones because they get the most attention, but I think it's hurt from the standpoint of transition and continuity, but the game of college basketball has still has still thrived and will continue to thrive because there are just too many good players that may not necessarily be pros that are playing college basketball at a really high level. All
3: right, Clark. So as we get ready to let you go, uh, one last question I have for you, because this is cool because you are like, you, you've turned into like kind of a pop culture icon because of your association with <laughs> NBA 2K and NBA 2K has grown year after year after year. Yeah. And it's, it's this crazy, it's like a lifestyle for people, yeah. NBA 2K and you and Kevin Harlan, the voices of NBA 2K and you've been doing it for over a decade now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So do you ever get like, first of all, do you get people that recognize you just because of your association? Like, especially maybe hey. the younger crowd. Hey, no doubt about it with the younger crowds. Matter of fact, I've been in airports, and people
2: have had their back to me, and they hear me say something, and they turn around and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> hey, I, I just heard you last night because my son was playing the video game." <laughs> it oh, it has been a, it has been such a blessing from the standpoint of being connected to a full generation of gamers through Crazy. the popularity of that game. It's one of the most popular sports video games on the planet. I was in the Philippines back in 13 with the Pacers during the preseason. Sure, In the concourse of the building we're in, they're playing the game, and I hear my voice.
5: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good and I'm sounding like, you, guy over there.
2: Are you kidding me? I went over. My youngest son has played in Poland, the Republic of Georgia, France. I went to Poland one year to watch him play for a couple of games. And a guy brings up a copy of the NBA two game video game for oh. me to sign Oh man! in, Lu- in Lublin, Poland. Amazing. <laughs> so it just, I mean, the reach. And it's been such a joy to be part of that. And they've expanded the game to great popularity and expanded the announcers. But Kevin Harlan and I have been together for several years. Um, actually, I think this was our 11th year. and. Uh, it's been so much fun. I love going into that studio and uh, putting myself in the mindset of being at a game, calling it so that it's more real and hopefully enjoyable for the folks that are playing it. So it's been a it's been a real blessing to, to be part of that franchise.
4: Well, hang on a second, guys. Okay, purchased. Okay, NBA two K is getting played tonight <laughs> on, my, on my game system. On. Awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, Clark Kellogg, we will let you go. Thank you so much for your time with us. Again, going over college basketball, going over your playing days, and teaching us all—I think—a very valuable lesson. When you have a big lead, don't let off the throttle. Don't take your foot <laughs> off the gas. <knees. laughs> President Barack Obama will come after you, and he'll he will.
2: You. <laughs> and not only come after you, he'll get you and talk trash in the process. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it all right well you can tune in college basketball clark kellogg's about to be filling all of our houses with his sultry voice whether it's nba 2k college basketball it's going to be good to hear you back it's been too long uh, of a break so we're really excited to hear you thank you so much for taking the time to jump on with us and have a great holiday season and have fun with all this basketball coming up
2: i certainly will great pleasure to be on with you guys and always 216 Keep rocking it. We got a football team in Cleveland now, the Browns. Let's go. Unbelievable. Let's go (laughs) Browns.
3: Yeah. And thank you once again to Clark Kellogg, an amazing interview. We had a great time with him. Uh, Just a good guy. Uh, Loves throwing it back. Love how he gave us a shout-out, throwing it back to his roots in Cleveland. He gave the Browns a shout-out right there at the end. That was awesome. Uh, But uh, great guy, great stories, and we very much appreciate uh, having Clark on the podcast and the fact that we get to hear Clark Kellogg uh, calling college basketball again. Again, like we said in the interview, guys, college basketball had the longest layoff of any sport. Uh, they they canceled at the beginning of March and we're just now seeing them. So the longest layoff of any sport was college basketball. It's good to see them back up and running, even though, I don't know about you guys, I am, I'm not like regular season college basketball just does not do it for me.
4: No, no, definitely not. It, um, you know why? It's because there's just so much of it broadcasted, and so much of it is just meaningless. Like Gonzaga at St. Mary's School for the Blind, Prep Baptist uh, University of Northern Texas <laughs> for and, the and, blind. Are you talking like, about
3: SM SFTB P? MB. <laughs>
4: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you S- Sv- and Sv- boo, <laughs> just like you said. And it's just, I don't know, like, yeah, the big games are fun to watch, but there's just, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's not that exciting when so much of it is broadcasted. So I, I'm like, you know, like I said in the interview, I'm, I like college basketball, but I'm more of a casual fan. I'll start paying attention around conference tournament time. But, uh, you know, Clark's, certainly gave you guys gave us something to, you know, look forward to between, you know, Gonzaga and like the top three, you know, even gave you some teams that you might not think about. Like he really loved Richmond too. So yeah, I mean, there's some teams to watch, but it's just, but it's, it's not something I'm going to seek out, but if it's on, yeah, sure. I I might watch a few minutes of it.
3: Yeah. The regular season's more fun for those schools like Richmond, like Dayton, because if they can pull off some big wins like Richmond did, Richmond just beat Kentucky. Uh, Yeah, if they can pull off some big wins, that actually is meaningful. But like, they'll be everybody was like, "Whoa, Kentucky lost to Richmond." I'm like, "Yeah, that's not going to matter." You know, it isn't right. They're still going to be right. Like worst case scenarios, Kentucky's going to be like a five seed in the in the NCAA tournament, even if they have a mediocre year. That's what kills me. It was it was the thing that crushed me and my fandom when uh, it was one year UNC went like exactly 500, like 16 and 16 or something like that. And they were like a four seed in the tournament. And right. I'm like, what's right. the point of and everything we just did? If you can go 500 and be a four seed in the tournament.
5: Right. TV. And that's why,
4: yeah, exactly. No. But this, but this is like, uh, and this is why the top 25 poll for, for college basketball is absolutely pointless because really all you have oh, to yeah. do is play well, is is play well enough to get yourself in, tur- in the tournament that anything goes there.
3: Yeah. Well, Ohio State's off to a good start. Uh, and again, it's just, you know, it's one more thing. I think one thing I won't complain about college basketball, after everything we've been through this year, after all the bullshit and, and missing sports, you know what, if I can turn my TV on and there's some college basketball on, on these random Wednesdays where there's nothing else on, uh, okay, I'm all right with that. At least I've got something. Right. So
4: yeah, and, and you're right. you gotta know no, this is a, definitely a point in the year where I will watch Kentucky and you know, Northern Wyoming. Oh, here we uh, go. Catholic <laughs> University Jesuit of the Nuns.
3: N W C U J O T N.
4: Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. Boo. Enjbu. Boo. All
3: right. Well, thank you again to Clark Kellogg. That was really really cool. The stories that he told. His story of playing playing. POTUS with the president, uh, really awesome, uh, and we are very grateful for his time. Having said that, he is going to transition us pretty well because, again, as he was signing off, he gave a good shout-out to your 8-3 and three Cleveland Browns. Uh, guys, uh, Browns beat the Jags uh, this past weekend. Uh, I know we did a little uh, a recap of it Sunday night, but now we could dive into it a little bit more. They beat the Jags Sunday, 27-25, uh, a close game, not the prettiest game uh but uh but the none of that matters. Right. none of that matters. The Browns are eight and three uh right now as the as the standings are after week twelve uh the Browns are the number one wild card seat right now, if the season were to end today now there 's five games left, obviously, and some tough games on the schedule for the Browns, but right now they have put themselves exactly where. We could have dreamed that they would have put themselves sitting at eight and three. Uh, A lot of people this week been talking about, oh, it's another ugly win. Get out of here with that shit, right? Like, Sure. uh, sure. Does it matter to you guys whether they win pretty or ugly?
4: Well, here, and, and, you know, here's the thing I think people miss is is people seem to think that this isn't a good football team because of their schedule, because of, of the teams that they are beating. And, you know, how close these wins are. But guess what? Good teams beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Okay? <laughs> okay, good right. teams beat Philadelphia. You know, beat good teams beat the, the, the shit division that is, uh, you know, the NFC East. You know, good That's teams right. beat the teams that they're supposed to. And, and it's exactly what the Browns are doing. Are they a little closer than you'd like them to see? Yeah. But you know what? All that matters in the NFL is a W. So, it, it, you know, ugly, beautiful, sad, tragic, <laughs> who cares, okay? All that matters in the NFL is that you get the W. You're 8-3. and three. Now, now, coming up this week, which we'll get into in a little bit, you have a chance to make a believer out of people because you're playing a pretty good football team in the Tennessee Titans this week. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I You know, even, even, even if you think that the Browns aren't for real, how can you not be happy – with eight and three, because let me tell you something with the teams that they have beaten, <laughs> these are games. These are games that we found ways to lose the past 20 years.
5: Well, <laughs> so I, I,
4: I don't know yeah. how you couldn't be happy with being eight and three. Like, I don't know, like Jacksonville having to run a two point play to, 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 to tie the game at the end of the game there. Right. The Brown, the, the Brown teams of the past. Give up that two point conversion, and then we go on to lose an overtime. The,
1: the Browns oh, no. teams in the past go for that two point conversion. That was yeah, like PTSD right. watching them
3: call that play. Right, right. Dude, I was, was having just. I was this having Browns good football team. People, Get I was having it. Browns PTSD. I was having Browns PTSD when I heard Mike Glennon was starting for the Jags, and I was like, <laughs> oh shit, because I feel like every year we go up against one of these teams that pulls out one of these backup quarterbacks that like. All of a sudden, the Browns, like, get destroyed by Mike Glennon. And you know what? Here's here's what hit me. Right. Here's the progression of where we're at with the Browns. In years past, decades past, Jesus Christ, the Browns have found ways to blow games. The Browns have found ways to lose. Even when they were winning, all we did as a fan base was go, okay, how are we going to blow this one? You know, the Browns could have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and we were all sitting there like, okay, how are we going to lose this one? Oh, you never felt comfortable, ever. Never. Now, here's what the Browns are doing, and it's something that they're going to want to get past. What they're doing is they're blowing chances to put teams away. Mm -hmm. The Browns have continuously, even over this stretch, and again, this isn't – I'm not trying to be negative here. I am ecstatic. We are 8-3. and I don't care if you win every game by one point. It's eight and three uh, but the Browns have now the thing they have to work on is figuring out how to really put a team away because they keep doing things that shoot themselves in the foot that allows the other team to stay in it for example second half of that football game against the Jags uh, Browns have the ball they move the ball the whole game against the Jags so you think all right let's go down let's score let's let's really put some distance between the Jaguars and the Browns pass thrown to Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant fumbles the football Jags take over Jags score. All of a sudden it's a close game, right? That's the kind of stuff that, and again, and then the Browns have figured out a way to come back, bounce back from mistakes and still get the win. But that's the kind of stuff where I think as a fan base, it would make everybody more comfortable. If it's like, you know, when you have those opportunities to go up big and put teams away, take those opportunities, go up big and put teams away. Stop with the silly mistakes.
4: Right, yeah. Closing out, closing out games is is definitely uh, a, a trait that you have to learn, especially in in when you're in a culture that the Browns have been in in the past, and and, and you know, and Kevin Stefanski is changing that right now. But when you're in, uh, when you're changing a culture, that's one of the things you have to learn when you're learning how to win. Is you have to learn how to close out games. Now, you know, the, do have the Browns, you know, made some made plays when they needed to? Uh, sure, sure. But yeah. they 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 definitely. And, and so they've, in a way, they've learned to. But you know, you're you're right in that in saying, Mike, that you know, th- there there hasn't been that game where they've like stepped on the throat of an opponent, you know, when wow. when they have them down. You know, they've always right. let teams hang around. So yeah, I you know that that would definitely be a step in the right direction of all the doubters. where the, in, in, step in the right direction of all the doubters, if they can just just put teams away, absolutely.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, you look at this Jacksonville game and you you think that's a game that we should have just completely blown them out in. But you are really missing just the centerpieces of your defense in this game. No Miles Garrett, no Denzel Ward. You had Ronnie Harrison for all 30 seconds in that game. Now he's on the IR. Um, And so they were able to keep it in check. um, But this is where you need your depth to start to show up. And so last week we had Olivier Vernon, Defensive Player of the Week, phenomenal against uh, – um, who was that? I
4: don't
3: Philly. remember.
1: Philly. Uh, and this week – and correct me if this is not the Browns' Defensive Player of the Week, but I want to throw it out to uh, my boy, Andrew Sandejo. My
3: boy.
1: My, <laughs> the, the tides are changing <laughs> with oh, Mr. Sandejo.
3: Oh, that's – yes, he's finally learning. After you like know what? 10 year that that is
1: one tough dude. He is the last man standing on that defense. It feels like, and he had a, he had, of course he had, right. But he <laughs> actually had a pretty decent game. He had two really big, uh, yeah. pass blocks or pass breakups in the end zone. Um, one was later in that game that would have put Jacksonville ahead. Um, so, you know, if we get players that can step up like that every week, and it doesn't need to be Olivier every week, it doesn't need to be Sean Richardson, but if
3: we can get the Andrews Cindejos of the world to step up, oh, shit. I, you know, we'll hang in there. Oh shit. No, I listen, I think uh yeah, I think I think that defensive line played pretty well again. I think Olivier Vernon played well again. He got hosed on a freaking pat roughing the passer penalty because yeah. Mike Lennon ducked his head into Olivier Vernon's hand. Uh, and that's just awful. In the meantime, what did I post? What game was I watching? Was it the Eagles game this week where Carson Wentz got face masked two times on the same damn play, and not one flag came out? (laughs) For real. Brutal face masks, like obvious on the same play. Nobody threw a flag. But Olivier Vernon, Mike Lennon ducks his head into Olivier Vernon, and they call a penalty. I'm like, come on.
4: Been a a week-long Sendejo fan all my life. Been a a week-long Sendejo fan. He's my boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, and guys, don't forget the first down call. That wasn't a first down, but it really was a first down. Oh, yeah, what?
1: Yeah, what was that? That was (laughs)
3: atrocious. The ball is clearly past the stick, so. Yep, short. (laughs) Yeah. And then
1: the announcer's like, well, the referees like to use the hash marks as the, like, tail. Or who is it? it? Was like the the, the oh. referee correspondent that came in, and he was trying to say how like oh the referees like to use like the line on the hash to like tell it's a first down, and it's like it's like a foot past that. hole. Yeah, yeah. And I like
4: and I, and, I, and I like how he went like this when it was really like even if it was short, it was more like that.
3: But I like how he's like yep yep
2: yeah inches. Yeah. <laughs> but listen,
3: but again, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In years past, th- these are the things we're complaining about because this is what cost the Browns the game or whatever. These fumbles. These penalties or these referees or whatever. Now it's holy shit. They had to overcome. They had to overcome some bad play. Uh, uh, that bad turnover, a couple real questionable calls, injuries, right. and they did. They overcame all of it. Yeah, to get a win, and they're sitting at eight and three. And again, now that the week has shaken out because the Ravens and Steelers finally were played their game, and the Steelers won. And you know they go to eleven and zero, and Baltimore. Now sits at six and five, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two full games behind the Browns. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's nice to see that the Browns right now are building up a kind of a resilience uh, to, they handle whatever is thrown at them. So if it's injuries, it's injuries. If it's, if they make a couple penalties, they bounce back. How many times? Like, Again, uh, the, one of the things, one of the craziest situations in these Browns games, when they get into like a third and long, I've never been more comfortable with a team than the Browns when it's like third and fifteen. Right. When it's like third and fifteen, yeah. Baker Baker usually rolls out of the pocket and just throws a strike to somebody like Daryl Hodge on the sideline. Perfect ball to extend a drive. Like they just do. They they just they're very resilient and they are building upon that and. It's awesome to watch,
4: and who's the main part of that? Uh-huh. Who's the main part? of Who is it, Jed? Who is it, Jed? Kevin. Kevin. Freaking Stefanski. Yeah. I. I. I can't get enough of his post game speeches because it's like, because it, 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 it's every time I hear him talk, it's just like this. This. This is the guy. This is the leader that you know. These Browns teams have been waiting for. Uh, uh, you know he's just he commands the room you could tell the guys have bought in to everything that he's preaching uh you know uh, you know has he made some mistakes sure but he's a first year head coach you know he, he's he's learning but you could also that dude tell – does not
3: make a lot of mistakes
4: no and he does no. and he doesn't but that no. but, and, and that's the thing is you could tell that that you could tell that this team is is as prepared as they possibly can be uh and, and he has he has this team bought in and uh, it's just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's his eyes. Maybe it's his piercing silver Fox like appearance, uh, but uh, oh, yeah. Oh, cream fresh. Uh hello. Oh, uh, yeah. For cream fresh. But
3: yeah. But yeah I,
4: I, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> the, I, I guys, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, we are on the
3: verge of having our coach for the next 10 years. We got him. Listen, here's the Finally. other thing. We, you talked about a couple mistakes. The mistakes that you talk about with Kevin Stefanski are usually play calling mistakes. And that's bullshit to call those mistakes. He's calling those plays for a reason, whether they succeed or not, you know, maybe he calls a a, a draw play and it doesn't work out in in a third down situation. And everybody be like, what kind of play call was that? Those are the mistakes as a coach. And again, I will air quote the shit out of mistakes. When I say that those are mistakes that, that to me, aren't mistakes. You're trying to take the defense off guard. You see them lined up a certain way. You see them with a certain personnel package out on the field, and you think, oh, we can catch them with this. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know what we don't have? We don't – like, we are never left at the end of a half shaking our head with, wondering what the hell the coach is doing with, like, timeouts and, like, uh, managing the clock and – Uh, He usually is pretty decent at, like, throwing his challenge. Like, like, he just is doing things in a smart way. He's not making those bonehead mistakes where, remember, for the last, like, 10 years, we've been sitting here going, isn't there another coach on the sideline that's there to help the head coach, like, with timeouts? Like, isn't there somebody who can help? Like, we're not doing that anymore, and it's great. And and so I I think he has run such a, a, a darn near immaculate, uh, performance as a as a first year head coach with a franchise that's all over the place that yeah I I that we, that dude is our head coach of the future we're 11 games in
1: that. and yeah I can't pinpoint one game that there is a significant mismanagement of no. the clock. Nope. That's nope. pretty incredible because we're guaranteed to have three to four of those every season. <laughs> <Would> you, right. <laughs> How do you guys remember Freddy Kitchens? <laughs>
4: yeah. What do you he mean about manage the clock? <laughs> right. Oh, revenge game. We got a revenge game coming up against the Giants. There we go. Oh, well, Let's we go.
3: Can, we'll talk about that this week. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Uh, but just breaking it down a little bit. Again, the running game was great. Uh Chubb and Hunt again combined for more than 200 yards rushing. Chubb goes for 144 and a touchdown on 19 carries. Hunt goes for 62 yards on ten carries. They're averaging as a as a as a unit, just the two of them average uh like I don't know, seven, uh, almost seven, it's like 6.9 yards per carry. It's, 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 it's incredible to watch. And, and, and the, and the best part about it, I was watching some videos this week on it. The best part about it, the Browns face more stacked boxes than almost any other team in the NFL. The Browns face more eight men, nine men front defenses than almost any other team in the NFL. So these other teams that we are playing know that we are trying to run the ball and they can't do shit about it. That is awesome.
4: Two big physical backs. Do you guys want to hear a stat that will make you cream your jeans?
3: (laughs) I need some new jeans anyways.
4: Two (laughs) big stats. Two big physical backs that just wear defenses down throughout the game. Nick Chubb. but, But here's the stat that's going to make you jean cream. Nick Chubb, in the fourth quarter this year, is averaging 12.2 yards per carry. Woo! No
3: way. Uh, 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 (laughs) You guys need a first down on any given play? I got you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So,
4: yeah. It's just – Yeah. I I don't know. That's, that's just, uh, there's nothing really more to say. I mean, this running game is just beyond elite uh, right now. Baker is efficient in the offense and with what they're asking him to do. um, Yeah.
3: It's just, uh, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Hey, listen, here's the, uh, that's the other great thing. There's balance. It's they're not forcing anything. No. They're not quitting on the run no. unless, again, you can go back to like week one against the Ravens when you were down by a boatload and you had to pass the ball a bunch. Right. Those games happen. Right. Uh, I don't want to to hear about quitting on the run. Here, Here's a good stat for this week's game against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield threw the ball 29 times. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined to run the ball 29 times. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. It's balanced. Let's get into Baker for a minute. Because we did talk about this a little bit, uh, Chad, uh, on the little breakdown, but I think it's worth talking about again. Uh, th- it is this whole way people talk about Baker Mayfield in Cleveland is weird as shit to me.
2: Yeah. Uh huh.
3: Like he's, you have to either a hundred percent think that Baker Mayfield's the best quarterback that ever played for the Browns, <laughs> or you have to talk about him like he's the worst. Right. And it's right. ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. He went 19 of 29, 258 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, uh, what what more? And and so, so, again, you've got people that are like, yeah, but see that throw he missed in the end zone? And I'm like, okay. Did you watch – I watched Patrick Mahomes miss a dude wide open in the back of the end zone in the Chiefs game. So, oh
4: my god. That doesn't Russell make him, Wilson, that doesn't Russell, make Wilson Russell Wilson sailed one over the head of freaking 6 foot 4 DK Metcalf in right. the back of the end zone on Monday night football. <laughs> right.
3: Listen, uh, outside of like I think maybe I can think of a couple of Drew Brees games where he went like 32 of 35 for like 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Nobody is going 30 of 30. It doesn't happen. And if they do, you're probably going to lose because they're probably completing little like two-yard passes that aren't getting you anything, any substantial, meaningful yards.
1: Here's a fun statistic. Uh, In the Ravens-Steelers game that just happened when we recorded this on Wednesday, uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw uh, for 266 yards, but he was like 35 of 50.
3: Woo!
1: 35-ish. It might have been 33, something like that. Some low 30 number. And, like, 260 yards. Ouch. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: right they barely yeah. won. Listen, okay. yeah.
3: Bake was efficient. Hey, listen, I'm glad the Steelers won. Bake was efficient. He he made – again, he steps up and makes – every game he is going to make you three or four throws that you just – your jaw drops to the floor. That throw he made to Kaderil Hodge, Hodge got his knee down on the sideline. Uh, like, yeah. every – Every game he is going to play, he is going to make three or four that just make your 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 jaw drop. He's going to miss a couple guys. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. But he played. I think he played a really good game. Uh, I think he led us down the field during times where we needed him to. Uh, and and again, I, I don't want to put this on him like it's a bad thing. Like he does, he's not doing anything to lose us games. No. Has and frankly, I think in this game he helped put us in position to win.
4: Yeah. No. Has he been elite? No. Has he been terrible? No. Has he been fine? Yeah.
3: He's been he's been
4: good enough. He he's playing well enough with what this coaching staff has asked them to do to yeah. not lose us games. And that's and that's really all you need. You know, uh, uh, there's been very few games this year that Baker has needed to step up and, and throw and and help us win games because we have an elite running game who cares like who who cares why do people need to see him throw for 892 yards and nine touchdowns when we have two horses when we have two fucking Clydesdales in the backfield that 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 can run for 100 yards per game what like we're we're Each. rushing we're, yeah we're rushing for over like 200 yards a game and i'll tell you what people you talked about closing out games mike that's what's going to close out games It's not going to, it's not going to be Baker. It's not going to be Baker. You know, so it's just, people want, people seem to want him to see, you know, people want to just hang on every throw that he makes when quarterbacks are going to make big bad throws, but he's good enough to win us games. That's all to help us win. Mm -hmm. He he, he doesn't win us any games, but he contributes. That's it. And I think
1: the honest, the honest Browns fan, um, if you are to ask them what the weakest part of the Browns game is overall, I don't think anyone's going to say quarterback.
3: Well, if they do, they're wrong.
1: They're wrong. It's a run they defense. They are wrong.
3: Right.
1: But it's not the quarterback. And I don't think he could have said that any of the past 20-some right. years. Yeah. That's incredible.
3: Yeah. It's, it's it was like, a fun game. This was a fun game. Jarvis Landry got into the end zone for the first time, so deserved, and he had a huge game, 140 plus yards receiving. Uh, Austin Hooper got into the end zone; that was good to see. Uh, again, Joe, to your point, your boy Sendejo made a couple plays. Your boy, uh,
4: your your week long fandom of Sendejo.
1: Yeah, I want to get his name tattooed <laughs> on my shoulder.
3: Oh, that'd you be would. awesome. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it it was a fun game. It, it, what. Uh,
4: it's like do living this every, with, I feel
3: like we do this every week. It's like it living do, within your means.
4: It's like living within your means. As long as, yeah. like, you're making enough money, you live within your means. That's exactly what Baker's doing. He's playing within the means of his offense.
3: Yeah, listen, it's it, – do I want the Browns to win every week 40 to nothing? Yes. <laughs> Is that going to happen? No. Am I glad <laughs> they're winning? Yeah. So let's just – yeah, let's keep rocking on with that. And rocking on with that means – Week 13, coming up, Sunday, in the home of Joe Whalen, Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Tighten up, baby. Just kidding. No, never, never. Shut up. It's just, I hear it too much. Joe, what's the weather supposed to be like for Sunday's game? Uh, Let me pull it up right now. I think it's supposed to be kind of nice, actually.
3: The Cleveland Um, Browns at 8-3 take on the Tennessee Titans, 8-3 as well.
1: 46 and sunny
3: 46 and sunny
1: ironically i'm going to be driving up to cleveland to watch the browns play in nashville
3: uh (laughs) this weekend (laughs) that's great uh real challenge here like uh, again we talked about we talked about that stretch of games uh we talked extent extensively about that stretch of of houston and philly and jacksonville after the bye week getting through that stretch of games, and the Browns did it. Uh, and, and I don't care who you're playing, you see it everywhere. Winning three straight games in the NFL isn't easy, no matter yeah. who you're playing. But the Browns pulled it off, uh, and, they, and, they, and they got through that stretch. And now uh, three of the next four games – or three of the next five games are against really good teams. And it starts this week. Uh, and it starts against Ryan Tannehill yeah. and Derek Henry – and AJ Brown and Janu Smith and who am I missing Corey Davis? Yeah, this and-
4: is God, it, guys. Honestly, if this, it, 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 like, as the Browns are preparing for the Titans this week, isn't this like looking in a mirror? Just like a big physical oh, running yeah. running back, like big physical running game, elite incredibly running game, incredibly
1: balanced offense, incredibly
4: balanced offense. You know, a, a quarterback who's kind of who's just kind of been fine just kind of living within the means of the offense and a defense that's kind of just bend but don't break like a, like a so, so defense. So this is, this is, this is kind of like looking in the mirror for them this week, guys.
3: That's exactly right. But Joe, Joe's Joe. I'm interested to hear because Joe, before we started uh, with the podcast was like, Oh, I think the Browns are in trouble this week. So again, he said that about the Eagles in fairness. Uh, But Joe, what, 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 what makes you say that?
1: I'm a little more well-informed about the Titans. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of radio this week, and um, there's a big respect for the Browns that I don't think I've ever heard out of an out-of-market broadcast. Um, they respect our game very well. They know how potent this offense is. Um, they're terrified of Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. Um, as they should be they are like they're like we will lose this game because they are going to run all over us times don't have the best rush defense they don't have the real like you said a very um, similar defense to the browns um but uh you know it's gonna be tough and we haven't faced anyone this year like derrick henry and when we faced Derrick Henry last year, I think we all kind of felt um, the hopes of any type of playoff contention just kind of like fade away um, after his just absolute routing of us last year. Derrick Henry's a big man, and he's probably one of the most um, uh, workhorse uh, power backs in this league. Yeah, um, I, he is. He is just relentless. Um, Just like Kevin Stefanski wants to stick to the run with the Browns because it's going to work eventually. That's what they do with Derrick Henry, and they will run the ball and run the ball until something breaks, and then he goes off for 99 yards and a touchdown. Um, It's going to be a tough game. This is going to be our toughest challenge, and I think this is probably the most important game we have left on our schedule because if you win this game, um, one that puts Tennessee and the AFC South kind of in this – battle position where the Colts are, what are they? They're like seven and five or seven yep. and four. Seven Tennessee and four. would be seven and four. Um, you don't have to beat the Steelers in week 17, which I think would be huge. If we lose this game, I think you have to beat the Wheelers, or Steelers in week 17. And they're probably not going to be benching people. They're probably going to be trying to fight for that first round by that week. So you, you know don't want to have to go on.
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Cause you talked about last year's game. Uh, and I think we're maybe remembering it a little funny. Uh Derrick Henry was really held in check that whole game. Yeah, he had, he had 80 yards rushing.
1: Yeah, he, but how many yards did he have receiving?
3: Well, he had one catch. For So you're you're like only remembering one, yards. You're, you're remembering one play. You're remembering one play, a 75-yard screen pass to Derrick Henry that nobody touched him on. We had a better nobody rush defense
1: it. last year though. We we did not have I don't think so. Anyway, mm.
3: I don't, I don't think so. I, again, this is, we're having like, there's a little memory loss happening on the podcast here and I'm trying to bring it in. The Browns run defense for the majority of this year has been ranked in like the top 10 of the NFL. Like yeah. Browns, the Browns run defense has been good this year. Now they've faced some pretty good running backs, including I, I, a little respect to Jacksonville, including in Jacksonville. That's a good run game they have in Jacksonville. Uh, listen, I, I I don't expect, I don't, I'm not saying this because I'm like, oh, the Browns are able to hold Derrick Henry in check. You might as well just chalk up 100 yards to Derrick Henry. To mm-hmm. me, the difference in this game is, do you give up 100 yards, 100 workhorse backyards to Derrick Henry um, and, and while managing to kind of keep him in check, or do you let Derrick Henry go off for 195 yards and three touchdowns? Because if you do that, you lose the game. So that's the yeah. thing. That's the way you have to approach it, which is very much a way it, it's, it's funny because the Browns have a different element to their offense than a team like the Titans. When you face the Titans, you've got to kind of approach it like that. Derrick Henry's going to get his, so you've got to contain what he gets. Right. And you can't let the explosive shit happen. And is he going you to break off 12, 15 yard runs every now and then? Yes.
1: You got to well, make it. So Ryan Tannenhill needs to beat it, you.
3: That's right. Uh, but having said that, on our side, on our side, it, it's what's exciting about the Browns is you you can try to bottle up Nick Chubb, you can try to which it doesn't work, you can try to bottle up Kareem Hunt, and you might be able to bottle up Kareem Hunt a little bit in the run game, but he'll kill you in the passing game. Uh, the Browns have so many elements of how they can approach it that it, it, it is – it's a funny little juxtaposition. They're both going to – both offenses are focused around these running backs, but I think the Browns uh, – I think Derrick Henry, Henry might be the one of the only backs in the NFL that I might say right now is better than Nick Chubb. He is. He, uh, I think Derrick yeah. Henry right now is the number one back in the NFL. Uh, but they don't have the versatility in the backfield as the Browns do. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be – it's going to be a heck of an interesting uh, battle, uh, but you've got to make uh, Joe. You called it. You've got to make Ryan Tannehill uncomfortable. If you're the Browns, you have to take advantage of the fact that you got Miles Garrett back. You got to take advantage of the fact that players like Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson and Adrian Claiborne have been playing well, uh, and you've got to make you've got to make Ryan Tannehill uncomfortable when he drops back to pass because those other weapons are good. AJ Brown is a freaking killer well, wide he's receiver. Great.
1: Um, and it's it's you're going to see a very similar offense to the Browns not only is it balanced but you're just going to see them rely heavily on the play action like that is their bread and butter just like it is for the Browns Um, keeps defenses on their toes Um, but if you can contain one part of that game primarily their rushing uh, I think that's going to be kind of easy
3: to um, keep them off the scoreboard I don't know Chad how are you feeling about this game coming up what's your what's your feeling
4: well clearly uh olivier vernon's going to disappear now that miles garrett is back oh, because yeah. <laughs> Olivia, uh, miles has been was just holding olivier back uh but no guys i i com- i completely agree it's um in the fact that you know Derrick henry is going to get his it's uh it's um you know last year cuz you talked about last year's game Mike, you know he he was you know he had 19 carries for 84 yards in that game so the browns really held him in, in check On that one, but but Marcus Mariota was was fourteen to twenty four for two hundred forty eight yards and three touchdowns. So it it was a game last year where the offense just really couldn't get going. But um, yeah, I I agree. You have to take advantage of of Miles being back. You have to pressure Ryan Tannehill because you know you know Derrick Henry. uh, God fuck, where was I going with that? (laughs) I just lost my train of thought. I I I, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, okay i got
3: it here's the thing oh go ahead go ahead i don't want to
4: (laughs) okay i got it i got it um yeah yeah i i I don't know there's i just completely agree with your guys' game plan because uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's it sorry man like i said it's it's, it's, uh, listen
3: here's the other thing here's the other thing (laughs) sometimes sometimes in a game like this a good offense is a good defense too like you're, if you can play a good offensive game against a team like the Titans, it's going to help your defense. If you're yeah. not, if you're not constantly going three and out and putting your defense in short yardage situations where they've got to try to stop the Titans, even though the Titans just took over from their own forty-five, that's going to be a problem if you're playing a game like that. So the offense is going to be part of a good defense. Keeping Derrick Henry off the field is a good key. To a defense, uh, defensive strategy against mm-hmm. the Titans. And the Browns' offense can do that. I mean, they have, we have that. We're definitely a better offense right now than we were in week one of 2019. So uh, it'll be interesting no, to I see to, if they're. Uh, I totally agree. Hi.
4: Sorry. Sorry. Hello, what happened? Go Are ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you guys froze up me for a second, so I didn't know if like uh, I didn't oh, know if right. I froze. Um, I was just incredibly like still. I, 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 I thi- <laughs> no, but um, you know, obviously, and, and I know this just sounds as kind of a Captain Obvious type statement, but tackling is just going to be so important. Uh, it's yeah. you know, especially with a guy like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry goes six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, and runs like a four one five forty. But um, <laughs> it's a big man. <laughs> But um, yeah, you know, yeah, tackling is going to be uh, a, a big key, and you know, this this game, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it screams of you know uh, uh, teams that are looking in the mirror at each other because they're just so similar, and it just it, to me this just feels like who, whichever team gets that one extra stop, because it, it, yeah. it just it just feels That's like people, neither of these teams are going to be able to stop each other's running games. So who, whichever whoever team can make it, a
3: play on defense,
4: yeah, whoever whoever can make a play on defense is, is yeah. going to win this game, I think.
3: Yeah, I think this is built for a close game. Yeah, I think this is, I think this is built to be tight. Two teams that want to run the ball, mm-hmm. uh, a turnover. Uh, whoever wins the turnover battle could be a humongous uh, at a humongous advantage in this game. And again, if you're the Browns, the strategy should be every possession matters. Yeah. Uh-huh. and every possession needs to be productive that doesn't mean points doesn't mean you have to score every time you have the ball right but if you can take over at your own 20 and march the ball out towards midfield and maybe you stall out there and you punt and put the Titans pin them back in their own deep in their own field that is a that's a productive possession you right. can't lose the field position battle in this game because that is one way to let this thing slide away easy. So, yeah, I think I think it is it is primed for a very close game. I think uh, uh, the Browns are coming in with some serious confidence, which is nice to see. Uh, getting some players back, which is nice to see. And what, Chad?
4: No, no. Remember the last time they went in with that swagger? When was the last time they went in with that swagger? I don't remember. When they were four and one, and they went into Pittsburgh, and then they okay. lost thirty eight to seven. You know, it's it's it's, it's without important. Nick Chubb, it's it's important that they come into this game loose and, and having fun. But they need to be focused. They can't they can't have that swagger. Or, you know, they 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 can't just, just act like they're going to walk in with all that confidence. They need to focus and work hard. I I don't think they can just walk in. uh
3: no, of course not. That's not much, that's with, not with with what I'm much saying. Much I'm just saying they're comp. I'm saying you come off three wins that uh, any one of those games could have slipped away and they managed to win all of them. And I think it, I think it helps the cause late in the year that they did get kicked in the teeth a couple times early in the year. Sure. uh, Including the one that's got to kill them the most is that Raiders game. Oh, That that has to feel like a kick right to the groin at this point. Yeah. They've 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 been through the downs. They're now playing as a confident bunch, and I I mean that in the best way possible. And uh, and I don't know. I, I, let's let's throw it around real quick before we switch off of the Browns. Uh, we'll start with the hometown Nashville millionaire, Joey Whalen. Uh, what's your prediction for the game?
1: I think the Browns come out on top. What? Yeah, I think they do. I think this is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be twenty eight twenty four, very close. Yeah. Um, that's come whew. down to the last possession, but <laughs> whoa, whoa,
4: whoa. all right, Jed. God, that was literally like my same score prediction. <laughs>
3: That's okay. It can be the same. Uh, it feels right.
4: It, it, it feels does, right. It does. It just, it just, it just feels like a game where both of these offenses are just going to try to control the football as much as they can. Uh, there's going to be some big plays in the running game. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah, 20, 20, 28 24, 27 24, maybe the 20, last second field goal. Uh, but yeah I, I, yeah, I feel like this is that type of game. And God almighty, I'll, I'll say Browns win, but I'm not going to say I don't, I say that with about 60% confidence.
3: All right. Hey, that's fair. I will go with, I was thinking like, uh i was thinking like 27-21 like yeah. I, you know it seems like one of those games where it could be like one team's got a ball right got the ball at the end like the browns are up 27-21 and the titans have the ball and you're just panicking as a browns fan thinking oh shit uh and somehow they pull it out uh but yeah i'm going to i'm going to ride with you guys i think i think the browns can this is a this is a it's a tough game for the Browns, but it's a winnable game for the Browns, and right. uh, and so I will go also with a Browns win.
4: Yeah, like I said, this is this is and this is just it, it's such a huge game for the Browns. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a chance to turn the haters into believers. If you can pull out a win in this game, it's it, it's going to give you a little bit that much more credibility.
3: Yeah, I love it. So again, uh, that's coming up this Sunday. Uh, other NFL news. There's not a lot. Uh, again, it was just the game today, Pittsburgh, uh, and, uh, Baltimore that really impacted, uh, what's going on with the Browns. Uh, and it's, and it's great. And, and listen, I know we don't like rooting for Pittsburgh, but you better have been rooting for Pittsburgh today, uh, because we're not really chasing Pittsburgh so much, but we certainly are trying to fend off the Baltimore Ravens. And with that win by the Steelers, uh, the Baltimore Ravens fall two games behind the Browns, uh, with five games left and one game between the two of them. So uh, Baltimore really struggling after a hot start. Uh, they have been atrocious lately, and uh, and that trend continued. So uh, pretty cool to see the Browns just solidly entrenched in second place in the division too. And of course, of course, this is the year where you're eight and three, and you don't even have a chance to win the division. That sucks. Okay.
4: That, it is okay, okay, but it also Honestly, sucks. I know it sucks, but you know what? Honestly, it, it's just like for me, it's just one of those beggars can't be choosers type situations for the Browns. As a as a Browns fan, like yeah. it, you know, being an eight and being an eight and three and 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 having a great shot at the playoffs, you know, that's that's just a huge step in the right direction. So you know, the more we improve, you know. So in the years to come, under this, you know, then I'll then I'll worry about the division. Doing this just is just going to make me feel a lot better. So I, I you know, I'm not so. I, I wouldn't say I was cheering for the Steelers today. I'm just going to say nice. I was
3: pulling for the Ravens to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I was just hoping to God they lost. So uh, the other thing, Joe texted us and said uh, he had some he had some take. He had a take on the NFL. Uh, take. And I want, I, we got to let Joe air this out. He, he seemed like he had some pent up shit going on with this take. So Joe, what, what's, this going is, what, this can what's going on? What's got y'all hot and bothered? Too,
1: but it's, it's really about how much the NFL is failing uh, this season. So I had never thought that we would be in December and looking back on the restart of every sport this year and saying that the NFL has done it the worst. I thought for sure the MLB set the bar so low that like you couldn't even trip over it. But here the NFL is coming in, sliding right under the MLB's bar and just creating the worst return to sports. I think you possibly could have had um, in this pandemic. And here's why past the game, past like the records, the players like NFL is a business right? That business supports local economies. It supports people watching it on their homes. Uh, um, Advertisements fuel the whole thing. Um, And it creates this huge economy based on games that happen on Sunday, Mondays, and Thursdays. I don't get how you set rules that uh, can jeopardize your product as much as we've seen this past week. So, the NFL through all this pandemic, they need to have, they need to be as sharp as they can be to put their best product forward and to have two games this week. And there's been other games in this past season, but two games this week that have been just absolutely atrocious. One, the Steelers Ravens debacle has been horrible to watch. And two, the the Broncos uh, also equally as horrible to watch. So the Broncos, their entire quarterback room got the COVID um, and now is to play. They weren't able to sign somebody because before the season, the NFL set the precedent that you can't sign a, or you can sign a player, but they have to essentially sit out six days before they can play in the game. So they couldn't sign a new quarterback. So you're putting in this practice squad wide receiver in an NFL game, completing one out of two passes Uh, against the saints team and this is you know not necessarily a a game that the broncos would have been in anyways but you're putting out a a high school player against the new orleans saints and just creating just a horrible a a train wreck, wreck waiting to happen on the other side you have uh the worst breakout uh out of any team in any sport, happened to the Ravens this past week. It was the highest density, the most people um, that have gotten it within one, organ, one organization out of any sport, um, and there was no game cancellation, no like attempt for rescheduling. And I know that's a little difficult because the Steelers already used their bye week uh, because of earlier COVID-related stuff. But I don't understand how there's not like further contingencies. Because you have Robert Griffin III starting, which is fine, and I think every team should be prepared to have to start a backup because of COVID. But then you have – I don't think they had a single – they had – Mark Andrews was out. RG3 got hurt, so you had uh, Mick Sorley or whatever the hell his name is play and just get absolutely trashed out He did get a touchdown, Um, but was getting trashed out there. Um, I just think that the protocols of the NFL – are uh, not where they should be. And I think these breakouts uh, are not very well contained. Um, Roger Goodell got on the halftime show and said there's uh, no immediate plans for a bubble for the regular season, no plans for a bubble for the playoffs. So, you know, it just kind of leads to the fact like, okay, like there's probably not going to be a major breakout that's going to affect the Super Bowl. But what if there was? and what what contingency plans does the n f l have in place to prevent that from happening or to make up for that and i just i don't feel like they're prepared enough for worst case scenario
3: yeah the thing this was a good, and I know there's other reasons for it but he, he, i still can't i'd be you'd be hard pressed to convince me uh It just felt like two very different ways that they were handling the two situations you talked about the Broncos. They don't have a quarterback and listen, that's not a not winnable game. The Broncos have won some big games uh, this year. And remember the saints don't have drew Brees, So it's not like that's not a winnable game. uh, Mm -hmm. If you're, uh, if you're the Broncos, but uh, yes, you've got to play that game. It, it, I know the Ravens continued to have more breakouts, but it also felt like it was very easy for the NFL to be like, we're going to push this off. We're going to push this off. We're going to push this off. It felt like they were giving the Ravens every chance. And that's not like a Cleveland, Baltimore. That's just like a – I was watching that going, couldn't the Broncos have had like a couple days to maybe sort their shit out? Right, yeah. why were the Broncos not given a minute? Right. gonna if you're going to let the Ravens, who – not only did they have that outbreak but they are there's gonna be some shit that happens there because they had staff members lying about shit they they had staff members who are they're actually saying are directly responsible for the spread of COVID because they didn't report anything uh the ravens they were just given oh you know we'll delay it till we'll delay it till monday we'll delay it till tuesday we'll, it was supposed to happen on thursday and they were just given enough time whatever time they needed to get their shit together. And in the meantime you tell the Broncos, no, you're playing. So if you got to pull up this dude who is a wide receiver on your practice squad but has some experience in his life playing quarterback, that's what you're going to have to do. Uh that felt ridiculous. Yeah. It felt ridiculous. It, it was a bad look. That's but,
1: all I got on it. I I I just I think it's ridiculous. I think there's it was it's just a testament to how poorly the NFL and how ridiculous that it's so poorly planned, because they had the most time out of anybody to figure it
4: out.
3: Well, fortunately, it seems like the NFL's plan is to just let people get COVID and get better and keep trudging along. Just keep trudging along when people get it's COVID. It's okay until out.
1: someone doesn't get better. Until someone that's you know,
3: you know, gets luckily, really sick. luckily in in all the sports so far, absolutely, it, it, we've had a bunch of cases of COVID. You have some athletes that have come out and said, I am not completely healed from this. I am still fighting effects of this months yeah. later. But but nobody has passed away, luckily. Uh, and so there's not been a pressing, like, we got to change up how we do this. Uh, but I agree with you, Joe. One thing I will say, I agree with you in that they should have been way more prepared after watching – NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, after watching all these other sports go through things that they went through, the NFL should have had a better plan than just, well, when (laughs) people get it, we'll just sit them out and pray to God nothing bad happens.
4: And
1: you would think after watching baseball, you know, you'd see like the Marlins and the Cardinals in those cases, they'd be like, okay, like maybe we can learn from this. But no, they're just like, yo, hold my beer. Watch this. (laughs) Hold
4: my beer. Oh, and you wonder, and you wonder what those conversations were like, because because remember, it came down to the wire when for them to, when they uh, discussing the in the collecting, you know, whatever discussing yeah. the 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 rules or, or or the parameters of how they were going to play and how they were going to deal with COVID. So, it, 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 I don't know. You got to wonder what those conversations were like to where maybe the league was yeah. like, oh yeah, well, we'll do this, this, and this, and the players like believe them, but maybe. You know, maybe the league kind of you know backtracked on that you know during the season Mm -hmm. here, but it's just I don't know. You wonder what those conversations were like because it was just like almost like okay, the league was like, yeah, we want to play, yeah, we'll give you this, 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 and this, and then there was just like there was, you know, then COVID happens and the league was just like, oh, oh,
3: yeah, okay, we weren't ready for this, (laughs) we weren't. Well, they better (laughs) hopefully, you know, the, the the hope now. Is that we just all hang by the seat of our pants and, and it goes through and nothing crazy happens and hopefully Joe, the scenario you laid out doesn't. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, but there's nothing. There's nothing much else that can be done. They're, they're plugging through with the season. They're all acting like everything's fine. And yeah. And you know what? As a Browns fan, everything is fine. We're eight and three. We're playing the Titans. Right. Uh, an incredible game right. coming up Sunday. Uh, I'm a little surprised there hasn't been no talk on moving that game. Uh, I kind of thought that was uh, primed to be a huge 8-3 and three versus 8-3 and three <laughs> matchup. But uh, good news is we get to watch that early, so we'll know uh, pretty early on. But the other good news is the Browns have played well enough this year that while this would be a humongous victory for that, uh, a big game against a, a, a contending team, uh, it's not a must-win game. And the Browns have put themselves in position – to be able to play a not must-win game, which is kind of nice. So hey, I'm okay. Hey, I'm okay with that. You know, uh, I know this is like old Cleveland
4: fan coming out at me, but I like I like my Cleveland teams with no expectations. I like my Cleveland teams <laughs> with, with no hype uh, because just they hopeless. just they they do. They just it, it it always seems that whenever a Cleveland team has expectations on them, they just they yeah. they don't live up to the hype. You know, you know, just you know, between the Indians and and the Browns, it's just like okay, hey. Okay. Keep them at one o'clock
3: and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So let's get off the Browns for, uh, we'll do a little quick hitter session. Uh, First quick hitter session about the Ohio state Buckeye football team. The big 10 is scrambling right now Uh, because uh, not only did Ohio state miss games uh, earlier, uh, they, they missed a game against Illinois. uh, But uh, right now, uh, Michigan is not going to play Maryland this weekend, and it looks like Michigan will not play Ohio State this year. Uh, the consensus out there is it is very, very unlikely that Ohio State and Michigan play. If that were to be the case, then the rules of the Big Ten state that a team to play – in order to play in the Big Ten championship game, a team has to compete in a certain number of games. Ohio State will not get to that threshold if they do not play Michigan. Michigan. Right, which would be a disaster because barring something crazy happening, and I believe this, and Ohio State fans are going to hate me for this, but unless something crazy happened with other teams around the country, if Ohio State only plays five games or six games or whatever and they don't play in a Big Ten championship game, they do not deserve to go to the Final Four, the college football playoff. Right. You cannot do that. It would – Absolutely derail the season. So the Big Ten right now is scrambling to try to see if they can maybe amend that rule <laughs> a little bit to yeah. see if if they can work it out. Maybe say a special COVID exception that just, would allow Ohio just, State in. Into...
4: Or or just let them schedule a fucking non-conference game. Like right. how stupid? Like how like how stupid is that? Even like okay, yeah, you might not be able to play a conference game, but at least you'd be able to at least let them play the minimum number of games that you need to be eligible uh, for the playoff. Like what the hell?
1: There was some team. I, I was just a a runner on the bottom of um, the game I was watching earlier today. There was some team maybe in Carolina that was like, um, they are expecting to play this other team Saturday, but if that gets canceled, they will play this team instead, which is another team that had a game canceled because of COVID. So like, I guess like game planning would kind of be chaotic, for that, but also yeah. like, you'd still get a game in. Like, I don't see a ton of downside to that.
3: Well, you need, here's the deal in the big 10 right now. You need, you have to have six games uh, played yeah. in order to play in the big 10 championship game. If uh, right now the Buckeyes are four and 0 they're about to play yeah. Michigan state this weekend, that would be game number five. Yeah. So if they can't figure something else out and that rule doesn't change, that Ohio State will not play for the Big Ten championship, even though they would be five and zero if they beat Michigan State. Right. Uh, that's a disaster. Right that that goes back to that goes back to all those arguments we had about the Big Ten, and and how one thing you can say, and I will, I I, I don't like the motives. I think the other conferences just thought we have to play football. Screw this virus. But these other conferences went ahead and they got those seasons started and they built in times for teams to have COVID games, essentially. Uh, And the Big Ten, by putting it off for as long as they did, and then finally just doing what they were going to do anyways, uh, they gave themselves no time to make anything up. So there's no chance for any kind of a makeup. If Ohio State does not play Michigan, they will end their season with five games and they may not – this – this right. season that a lot of people have expectations that Ohio state has a really good chance, which is right. It's true. Ohio state has a, an incredible chance at winning a national championship this year, better than most years that I can yeah. remember. Uh-huh. They won't even get a chance yeah. to do it uh-huh. if they don't play that sixth game. I know. Sucks, I know. But like, I know.
1: And uh, I don't, I'm not like super mad about it. I just like, I don't know. Kind of saw it coming. If it does happen, I wouldn't be surprised crazy
4: well it's it's the conference's fault it, it is it's yeah. absolutely the conference's fault for for holding it off as long as they did and they yeah. leave themselves no and margin now look for at error this.
1: now there's a vaccine that is potentially getting rolled out early next year you could have had your spring season for all conferences and potentially you've yeah. had like a more safer place with no cancel games um, but they wanted to get it in now which I yeah. think is still dumb. It'll be interesting it's, see, out very well.
3: it's going to be an absolute, it'll whether be, you're upset about it or not, it will be an abject freaking disaster. If yeah. Ohio state doesn't get that chance to play in the,
4: Oh, hundred percent,
3: but we'll see. Other you know, breaks, it'll be interesting
4: oh, to see. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Internet connection. Uh, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Justin Fields, decides uh, whether he's going to the NFL or coming back next year, because he technically could come back next year if he wanted to. And the reason he did come back this year was because of a national championship. He could have easily, he could have easily left for the NFL after last year, but he decided to come back. So it, that, that'll just be uh, something to pay attention to going forward, especially if uh, the Buckeyes aren't able to move
3: forward in the playoff. Oh, we will see real quick before we get into a little fun, before we wrap things up a little bit of breaking news tonight. Uh, it's a, a weirdly huge trade that happened in the NBA that doesn't feel weirdly huge. Uh, but the Houston Rockets, one year and done with Russell Westbrook. The Russell Westbrook experiment is over in Houston. He is now a member of the Washington Wizards. The Wizards trade John Wall and a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook. Uh,
1: uh, poor John Wall.
3: What I mean, like <laughs> – Boy, he's just it? getting traded to the West <laughs> and his ass
1: kicked by LeBron again.
3: Oh, now it's just a little it's, more frequent. It's, it's a weird trade because those guys that played on the Rockets, Russell Westbrook, an incredible player, incredible, insane talent. Is he a guy that's going to carry a team to anything meaningful? No. That's how James Harden is. I actually think if John Wall, John Wall, poor John Wall, man, can't stay healthy for more than three weeks. Uh, yeah. But I like the fit for John Wall on the Rockets way better than I like the fit for Russell Westbrook. Westbrook needs to dominate the foot or dominate the football, dominate the basketball. Whereas John Wall can be a little bit more of a traditional point guard in that offense. Yeah. So I think that's great, but. Is he gonna stay healthy? I mean, like it's the Rockets get a first round pick out of it, which is nice. But what are the Wizards gonna look like? (laughs) It's it's just a weird trade with big names that it doesn't feel like. Uh, It feels like it should be earth shattering, and it's kind of not.
4: If the Rockets can stay healthy, that's a good little core that they have between John Wall, uh, James Harden, and DeMarcus Cousins. If the Rockets can stay (gasps) healthy, uh, that that's probably the best core that they've had since since. uh, since, since Harden has been there, in, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, outside of that, the Wizards
3: and Russell Westbrook, that's just going to be weird. That's going to be super weird. Super weird. Uh, anyways, it was just breaking news. We wanted to yep. put that out there. I don't know that that – really, it's a funny thing. Big name trade, I don't think it shakes up the dynamic of anything. Chad, I, I, I don't know that I agree with you. I, I think five years ago, Would that have been an incredible core? Yes. But Demarcus Cousins has been nothing for years now. Nothing. Trash. Right. For years. Because he's he's been injured. Yeah, but yeah. But how many times do you see a player come back from years worth of injuries and like return to form? It doesn't happen. Seven to eight years, usually. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) (laughs) anyways. Anyways, we're gonna have a little fun. Uh, I didn't even tell you guys we were doing this, but you're both involved. Uh, We're going to have a little fun to wrap things up for Joe's birthday. Cause it is Joe's birthday. We want you, the listener to get to know our own Joe Whalen a little bit better. Okay. So I've got the
1: answers. I've got a
3: set of questions that I'm going to read to Joe. It's just to get to know you, to see where you're coming from, Joe, you're going to have like three seconds to answer these questions. Yeah. We're going fast. Chad, ah. here's where you come in. If Joe doesn't answer right. the question in those three seconds, I'm going to point to you. Okay. And then you get to answer. Okay. It, and that is the official answer for Joe.
1: <laughs>
3: so whatever okay. you right. say is Joe's oh, official okay. opinion on the status.
1: How about we do like a, I like oh, this. Right, I like this. Wow. Right. Can I get like, oh, man. I, like this. I haven't had so a deadline since
3: college. Cue up the birthday song. And yeah. let's play. Getting to know oh, Joe Whalen on his birthday. So question number one, okay. if you have the power to erase any single album by any musical artist from history, which album would have never been made?
1: Oh my God, that's brutal. Well, wow, I hate that question. Because I like music as art. I don't think you should erase art.
3: Uh, b- <laughs> black, a black album from Joe, you know, what a terrible opinion. I, you know, what an awful opinion, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's an awful joke. opinion.
4: The hell's that, the hell's oh the matter with you Wait,
3: did you say what did you say? He said the black album by Metallica. You Joe, you yeah. think that should have I, never I, been? Actually, made?
1: I absolutely agree with that. What? This is a trash album. Oh. It's compressed as yeah, shit. Oh.
3: It's compressed
1: as shit. I actually like all right, sweet. Well, that wasn't a damning answer. So good It job, was Jed. damning.
3: All right, Joe. If you could bring back any now extinct species, what would you re- what would you revive and why?
1: Oh, uh, pterodactyl! Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Just, and why? How, and why? I just how absolutely terrifying would that be? He was <laughs> yeah. driving to work. This <laughs> pterodactyl, like I'm swooping up, picking up a sedan, a little Toyota uh, Yaris off the ground or something. <laughs> like a family of four, just what going toaster to <laughs> yeah. All
3: right, Joe. If you could go back in time and prevent the release of any m- now popular invention, what would it be?
1: Oh my God! Um, Now popular in the pop socket.
4: Oh, the
3: The answer socket.
4: The answer. I think the
1: pop socket. I I originally was a huge advocate for it, but uh, and this is more for the people that created the pop socket. You can't do. You can't use it with all the new phones because all the phones charge off the back. So we're going to put the pop socket. That's true. Yeah.
3: All right. This is a real character question. If you're eating Pez candy. Do you put the Pez in the dispenser or just eat it right out of the wrapper? Dispenser.
4: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You've, you've got to be a special kind of asshole to not <laughs> eat it out of <laughs> a container.
1: I'm not a savage. Are you an animal? Okay.
3: Uh, Joe, you're in the market for an illegal pet. What is it?
1: Oh, not a reptile. Probably like a giraffe. Wow. Yeah.
3: Okay. All right, your horse or your dog is the size of a giraffe. So it's well,
1: yeah, back. but here's the thing: I can put it in my backyard, and I can feed it from my bedroom. Oh, that's true. You How know,
4: funny would that,
3: that be, way that... in the morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to like go all the way down my stairs. Let it out in the morning, I just kind of like.
3: The problem is, the problem is your backyard is the length of like the giraffe itself. He can turn around. So he wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> no yeah, he can turn I around. Should... How funny would
4: that be to see like Joe riding a giraffe, like horseback, <laughs> like into like downtown Nashville.
3: Just clinging <laughs> to its neck. Yeah. All right. Joe, uh, this is an interesting one because you do I, you are going to have a stupid answer to this. In your opinion, Probably. what is the correct amount of eggs to buy at the grocery store? None. What?
1: Yeah, none. I told you it'd be a stupid answer. I actually, like I get a little queasy when I eat eggs. I guess if you're mixing them in recipes, but that's so, I was so just rare. At
3: your, I was just at your place. You had like 47 eggs in your fridge.
1: I know. They're for a specific dish. And that's different than just buying eggs. So I think if you're normally buying eggs,
3: it's to cook eggs as like a breakfast. The correct answer is a dozen. You buy a dozen eggs. At
4: the what's <laughs> what's the, What specific dish are you putting 47 eggs in? <laughs>
1: Well, close to it. It's this wonderful. It's probably the best, the best like holiday breakfast my family makes is this egg souffle.
3: Okay, It's just
1: bread, eggs, ham, and cheese, and it is oh my god, it's so good.
3: Yeah, but Joe hates eggs. So
1: okay. well, I hate <laughs> eggs by themselves. They need help. It's like uh, it's like tomatoes. I would never eat a tomato, but I would eat anything made by tomatoes. All
3: right, real quick, your thoughts on mom jeans? Mom jeans.
1: Like, on who?
3: As a fashion trend.
1: Oh, that's fine. Whatever.
3: Oh, all right. Okay. Huh. Where would you, you want? S- you see a spider inside your house? Do you kill it or take it outside? Oh, I'd murder it. Idiot! You're an idiot.
1: And snakes. And snakes. Snakes too. You're done.
3: When do you find snakes in your house? Well, I mean, no,
1: never. But like, if I ever did, I'm just saying.
3: No, you're done. Keep keep the spiders alive. You keep the spiders alive? Absolutely. <laughs> There's so many of them. That's why I don't do have other life? bugs? Yeah. Spiders handle other bugs but like they don't bother you know. anybody Alright who's You're, your all time favorite movie villain
1: Movie villain Oh that's a good one um, Can it be like a protagonist That's also kind of like a villain
3: No it's got to be a villain Hans, Hans Gruber villain. Oh, Your answer is Hans Gruber, Hans Gruber? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What did you just say Oh my who's god Hans Gruber did Refresh he just say Hans Gruber? Refresh uh, my memory. From your favorite Thanksgiving movie of all yeah, time, right? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: <laughs> we'll be on a beach. We'll be on a beach earning twenty percent. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no! I have it. I just don't know his name. Hang on, Bill. Uh, Bill Clay. What movie? Dodgeball.
3: Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, White, White Goodman.
4: White Goodman. White
1: Goodman. W H I T.
4: <laughs> I think e. White Goodman might be it. Hans, bullby, I'm your white
3: knight. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> uh, you're getting a face tattoo. What's it going to be?
1: Uh, Andrew Sandejo.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! What alcoholic drink best captures your personality? Oh,
1: um, uh, tequila. Why? Um, I mean, well, because everyone loves it, I, but it, it, uh, no, no, not tequila. It's probably more of like a wine. Cause like generally it's like pretty mellow, but if you have a lot of it, it gets a little sloppy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I'm getting a t-shirt made for that <laughs> generally p- pretty mellow, but it can also be kind of sloppy.
1: I said, so I said tequila cause so I'm drinking because a margarita right now. This is the, the double fist you're podcast so lucky that I,
4: you've been answering so quickly because I was, was going to say, you're so lucky wait. you're answering so quickly because the answers, the answers I've had in my head for these questions.
3: <laughs> have been for I really uh, uh, So what did you have for the tattoo? Fair, i was like i was thinking about that one before i was like i know what chad's answer is gonna be on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right yeah. i was just getting to know joe a little bit on his 27th birthday uh uh getting to know joe with some birthday questions uh we hope you have a great birthday joe guys i think that's pretty much gonna wrap it up uh anything you want to add before we get out of here
1: me? No, I'm good.
3: Well, happy birthday to you, Joe. Chad, anything before we go? Uh
4: I don't know. Uh, well two two rumors going on. Urban Meyer to Texas seems to be picking up steam. Uh and in pro, and in pro wrestling news, Sting has signed a multi year
3: deal with AEW. That's it. That's cool until he like breaks his neck and then can't do anything. <laughs> good for him. Uh, all right, boys. Wait. Well, hey, I, I thought he we'll... broke
4: his neck already, but
3: he did. All right. Well, so thank you again to our special guest, Clark Kellogg, uh, CBS college basketball head analyst and Ohio State legend, Cleveland basketball legend, all around good guy. Uh, That's going to do it for us. So uh, for Joey down there in Nashville, for Chad over on the east side. Uh, I am Michael Keefe. Go follow the page at the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and at the Garage Beers podcast on Facebook. But for us here at the Garage Beers podcast, that does it for episode 41. We will see you again next week. Cheers, everybody.